everyone. This is our podcast. Let's get started. Oh, this is two weeks, October 17th to 31st, Halloween. So it's, it's two weeks because we kind of had a weird week last week because Lauren and I both went out of town for a few days. So. so October 17th, I just had two little things. The release of the movie Bullet starring Steve McQueen, which I have never seen. I do love Steve McQueen, though. He's hot. Yeah, and he was in, I used to love those 70s disaster films, and he's in uh, Towering Inferno. So I know him from that when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Jake and I just watched that a, one. I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's cheesy and kind of campy, but it's good. That's right. He's like the fire. Yes, like the, the fire chief, fire I chief. think. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We Jake and I just watched that. We were going through a phase where we were watching like ridiculous 70s movies. Never saw that. Didn't realize Paul Newman was in it. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. It was cheesy and wonderful. Yeah, it's great. That and like, um, you know, I love Poseidon Adventure, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's the same. It's the same movie, just in a boat building. and the boat's upside down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's great. The the other movie I love with Steve McQueen is actually incredibly, it's considered an excellent film, is um, Papillon. Have you seen Papillon? Mm-mm. That's also, um, so that's Steve McQueen. And then is it Richard Dreyfus? It's based on the true story of a guy who escapes uh, the uh, French penal colony on Guiana. And it's, uh, oh my God, it was remade in 2017. What the fuck? It's excellent. It's so good. It's, hmm. am, I, am I mixing up my actors though? It's, St- it's Dustin Hoffman. Did I say Dustin Hoffman? You said Richard Dreyfus. I said Richard Dreyfus. Okay. Sorry about that. So Dustin Hoffman, Steve McQueen, but Steve McQueen's the star. He's the guy that's the prisoner that you're, that you're in it for. I never saw it. I never even heard of it. True story. It's really good. He was in The Great Escape, right? Yes, I think, I think so. Other, I think that's the only other movie I, with the motorcycle scene, isn't The Great Escape? The Great Escape was basically what Hogan's Heroes is based on. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yes. Only because of Jake. Uh, does Jake watch Hogan's Heroes or did he watch it? I think he did. Like when it was reruns or whatever. He knew that. He's fun facts. He knows like random stuff like that. Yeah, I know random um, Hogan's here. Like I just know it from like weird, like it was on Nick at Night and then the Simpsons, there's a few references, whatever. And I think my dad might've watched it. So yeah. And then the other, so that was 1968 release of Bullet. Uh, And then I don't really have anything for October 18th or 19th really. And the 20th, October 20th, I was so tempted to do a deep dive on this. I almost dug into this one. Because I think it actually could be cool, like a fun thing to... You could do a whole episode. Yes, you absolutely could. You absolutely could. The Just so everyone knows what we're talking about. 1967, October 20th, Bigfoot is supposedly caught on film by Roger Patterson and Robert Gimlin at Bluff Creek in Northern California. So that's where that term, if you ever hear the Patterson-Gimlin film, that's what they're talking about. It's that like very grainy footage of that's often like spoofed and stuff of, of, uh, uh, Bigfoot walking and turning to the camera. It looks okay. I am open to the possibility of Bigfoot. Like, sh- oh, I don't can, know, you should- but that thing looks so fake. That video looks so fake. One of Jake's, uh, good friends is a hundred percent convinced that Bigfoot is real. Like it's a running gag where they're always busting his balls about Bigfoot. I'm open to it. Whatever. I mean, Jersey devil, that's a stretch, but like it's possible. They just told us, they just admitted that UFOs are real. So come on. We don't know shit. We don't know shit. Bigfoot, Bigfoot will be next year. But I always thought the Patterson Gimlin film looked so fucking fake. It looks like a, yeah. like a, um, a mascot outfit, you know, with like a zips up the back. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just does. Not convincing. Sorry. Sorry, Patterson Giblin. October 21st, 2003, Elliot Smith, singer-songwriter, dies from stab wounds, possibly self-inflicted. And I got most of my research from a Guardian article called The Mysterious Death of Mr. Misery by Alex Pedridis. It was published in March 2004. He was Oscar-nominated for his song, Miss Misery, which was featured on the Goodwill Hunting song. But he had a few other songs on the soundtrack as well. Like, it's... His uh, music shapes the whole movie. Right. Like it runs throughout the entire film. So he's extremely talented. He also had like, he was also a punk musician. So he's kind of like an interesting, like folk slash punk. So on the day of his death, he was arguing with his girlfriend. Her name was Jennifer Chiba. And according to her, she says that he threatened to kill himself. They were having a screaming, screaming match. He threatened to kill himself. Which he did a lot, apparently. Apparently, yeah. She goes into the bathroom to take a shower. She hears screaming. She comes out of the, of the bathroom and... He, He's turned with her back to him, to her. She turns him around and he's got a knife sticking out of his chest. She pulls the knife out and calls 911. He basically expires from, he stabbed himself twice, or according to her, he stabbed himself twice. And the second time punctured his heart. So, you know, as you said, he was very depressed. He had mentioned suicide several times. He was 
battled addiction for most of his adult life. He had a terrible childhood. He was molested by his stepfather. I mean, it was very, very, very sad. His drugs of choice were like heroin and alcohol, and then he even dabbled in crack. However, he did get clean. This was in 2003. Yeah, I think they said he was he was clean like that night. Yeah, like his toxicology toxicology report had the only thing only drugs it had in it were um, non abusive amounts of ADHD meds and like antidepressants. So he was doing what he sh- he was supposed to do basically. So and he had been clean had been clean since the year before. So you know, I, a lot of his friends said things were looking up. So you know, not shocking. Oh, he killed himself. Well, he's been depressed forever. And he always talked about suicide until the coroner's report came out. And it was very weird. And there's a distinct vocal group of people in and out of the, you know, the music business that believe he might've been murdered. Friends were quick to point out that he and his girlfriend fought all the time. Oh, and this is a quote from the coroner's report. So this is a little concerning. While his history of depression is compatible with suicide and the location and direction of the stab wounds are consistent with self-infliction, several aspects of the circumstances as they are known at this time are atypical of suicide and raise the possibility of homicide. So I think the coroner is basically saying just, you know, investigate and rule it out. It's not a a slam dunk here. No, no. Yeah, it's not obvious. Uh, Also, I guess apparently stabbing yourself it sounds like well, who would stab yourself? You know, it sounds bananas. And it's also incredibly painful to stab your, especially your chest. Like that's, but it actually, while unusual, it does happen. And it's not unheard of to stab yourself to death as, as a way to kill yourself. But I, I think I read, I don't know if it was on in Wikipedia or whatever. And I was reading about this. They were saying like, when you, but that, that's like someone who tries that way of killing. It's like your last ditch effort. Like you've completely given up that you're just going to try to stab yourself in the chest. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it, I mean, like you're losing it kind of like, cause that's, it's not effect. It's not that efi- it's painful and it's not that efficient and fast. Mm. I mean, he was standing when she opened the door, like standing with a knife sticking out of his chest, the corner note, the coroner's report noted that there were no hesitation wounds and that is unusual. So it hurts, right? So it's going to be hard to stab yourself more than once and not show like little shallow hesitation wounds. He also had what possibly could have been defensive wounds on his hands. This is all the coroner's report. I'm not like making this up or spreading rumors. However, there was the possibility of a suicide note, a note scribbled on post-it, on a post-it note that said, I'm so sorry, love Elliot, God forgive me. So it's basically, I guess, I don't know if the case is closed. I, it's, I, seem, I assume it's closed because Jennifer Chiba was never arrested or anything like that. And then, you know, it's like maybe they just couldn't make the case against her and just let it drop as, you know, let everyone think it's suicide. Most people think it's suicide. So who knows? But um, it's incredible, no matter what it is, it's so sad. Uh, it's so sad that he was so sad and it's so sad to lose someone so talented. And, and what a way to go, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, appropriately all, and this is kind of a coincidence. I was telling Lauren earlier that a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today is like shitty, <laughs> shitty, sad and fucked up stuff in a, you know, kind of appropriate around Halloween because it's, it's kind of scary. Yeah. There's nothing uplifting. No. October 22nd, 1989, 11-year-old Jacob Wetterling is kidnapped, assaulted, and murdered by Danny James Heinrich. His disappearance remained a mystery for almost 30 years. And um, I don't, do you remember the Jacob Wetterling story? I almost wanted to. So that's the one where Jacob, his brother, and the neighbor, they lived in like, I think Minnesota, like they lived up in the Northern Midwest and they were, it was fairly rural and they were going to ride, they asked, got permission grudgingly from their parents to ride their bikes to the local video rental store. And on the way back, they were stopped by a man and he made them get off their bikes. He said he had a gun. He said he asked their ages, had two of the kids lie down face down and took Jacob. And Jacob was never seen or heard from again. They finally solved the case you know, many, many, I mean, decades later, it's been a a missing person's mystery forever. And he has been, his remains have been located and he's been laid to rest. It's horrible tragedy. His mother was heavily involved in like creating uh, Megan's law and things like that. But I want to highly plug, if you ever want to listen to like a highbrow podcast and you're into true crime enough to hear, you know, basically sad shit, but interesting too. There is a Peabody award-winning podcast called in the dark, uh, the season, the first se- season of it is Jacob Wetterling. Shit happens, unfolds on the podcast. That was not really planned. She was just looking into it because she she had started getting case file data and information about the case. And she was like, it seems like a lot of people fucked up here. And it's, I mean, it's really good. 
in the dark is the podcast. I don't remember. I don't even his. I didn't even recognize his name when I saw that on the. Um, oh really? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, you might recognize like his face or his mom's face. Cause she's, she was on a lot of those, um, Donahue and stuff, you know, talking about like missing kids anyway. So that was incredibly sad, but you know, I'm glad it's resolved, but that, that podcast is fast is so well done. I mean, she won the Peabody for it. It's excellent. It's, it's Madeline Barron and she's amazing. And then the second season she did, she did, she covered an, a man that was wrongfully imprisoned, Curtis Flowers for a multiple murder. And it is, it takes place in the South. The, the overt racism, staggering. I won't give away too much because it really isn't it's so great to listen to. But anyway, that was October 22nd, 1989 for little Jacob Wetterling. October 23rd, I, the only thing I have the, was Weird Al Yankovic was born in 1959. <laughs> and his birth name was Alfred Matthew. I didn't know that. That's not a, that's not an attention grabbing. No, name. I guess. Yeah, he wanted, it, he wanted to be funny and goofy. Oh, and then I had this like from October 24th. 1931, the George Washington Bridge, which linked New York City <laughs> to New Jersey opens. My mom, she thought she was so funny. She told me that in this, she's like, when I was in college, we used to jokingly call the lower deck of the George Washington Bridge, the Martha Washington Bridge. Just <laughs> a dirt bag. Thanks, mom. Oh, God. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, oh, then you, October 25th is uh, something you were going to talk about, right? This is, so this is Halloween was released in what year? Oh, shit. I think it's 78. Yeah. I'm double checking, but. And Jake and I just watched this last week. I haven't watched it in so long. I was probably like a teenager. I watch it every year, but so we watched it um, last week and I figured that would be a good one to go into with Halloween being in a few days anyway. Yeah. It's almost like they planned that release for, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. So it was created or directed by John Carpenter. So it took less than two weeks to write the entire script. It was originally called The Babysitter Murders, which is appropriate. Oh, yeah. And they said it around the holiday. I think because of, I read one article where they were saying that he came, uh, John Carpenter came up with the idea during a flight, which was on Halloween. And he was like, oh, no one's ever, you know, there's no movies based on that holiday. And but I think a lot of it had to do with money as well. He just needed to like film everything on one day because right. he was poor and didn't have anything. So he's refuted the interpretations that Halloween was some sort of morality tale because, you know, everyone who is drinking alcohol, doing drugs or having sex gets murdered. Right. It. He's an escaped mental patient. Is that what it is? The brother? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's the premise. So it, start, so it starts out. So Michael Myers is the serial is the serial killer. And he the movie opens up with Michael as a child outside of his house, seeing his sister getting it on with her boyfriend. They're going upstairs and fooling around. The parents aren't home and Michael proceeds to go inside in his little clown costume and the boyfriend leaves. And then you're seeing everything through the eyes of the little boy. And he goes up into his sister's room and she's naked, sitting there brushing her hair in front of the vanity and he stabs her. Oh, so then everybody else who gets killed in the movie is having sex, sexy teens. So he gets, he gets um, put in an insane asylum and escapes goes back to his hometown, which is Haddonfield, Illinois in the movie, which I read was based on Haddonfield, New Jersey, which is, I now currently live in Haddonfield, New yeah. Jersey. It's really Haddon Township. We're just oh, got a Haddonfield wow. mailing address. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so John Carpenter's whole thing was like, no, I just see this as normal teens. It's not me trying to prove a point here. Yeah, especially in the seventies, they were all drinking and doing drugs. I mean, it's every movie. There was some scholar named Carol Glo uh, Clover. I read this, I think on Wikipedia, where she um, saw this film as, you know, the start of turning women into the heroines as the final girl, because it ends up being Jamie Lee Curtis is the main character in the movie who's John Carpenter. So had said in an article where it's like, she's the one who's sexually repressed. She's the virgin. And she's the one who ends up like stabbing a man with this gigantic knife, like nice. this, this phallic symbol. And, you know, so she's the one at the end who survives. So some of the fun facts were that, uh, so it was a 20 day shoot and it was filmed in the spring. And I, when I just watched this, I didn't really notice like, okay, look for greenery. But I read that they had brought in like a dozen bags of like leaves that they were reusing in every scene. So they would collect all these leaves up because they had like no budget. That's funny. Um, they couldn't find pumpkins. You need like there's a oh, scene. Of course. It's Halloween yeah. and they're carving a pumpkin. The little boys walking around like holding this pumpkin and they, so it was spring. They had, to, yeah. you know, that was a struggle. And then uh, there are, they, there are, if you, I have to rewatch it again, but the, you can notice that there are trees that are like fully green in the background. Yeah. 
Well, especially like Illinois would be really cold, right? I mean, yeah. So it, it doesn't make I mean, it's they shot it in spring. Yeah. So there were two masks used for Michael Myers. So in the movie, he's just has the the one piece kind of like jumper and then the the mask because the in the script it was just described as like a pale neutral male face. So they had two different masks that they just painted white, and one was a clown mask. Mm. What was it called? Weir- Weary Willie or something oh. like that. And then the other one was a Captain Kirk one. Yes, that's a famous one. Yeah. Yeah. Which have you seen the the memes that always go around where it's um, they just put a wig on the Captain Kirk mask and it looks like Mariah Carey? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's exact. It does. It's so it's weird exact. and uncanny. So, uh, oh, and so this I thought was interesting. So there's a lot of Alfred Hitchcock callbacks with parallels with um halloween which i seem we seem to talk about alfred hitchcock every podcast so jamie Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so uh jamie lee curtis is the main character she's the daughter of janet lee who was the main character in alfred hitchcock's psycho she played marion who you know was famously killed in the shower scene yeah one of the characters in halloween is named sam loomis which is the doctor who's trying to track down michael myers he is the doctor who was treated Michael Myers all through his youth and was trying to catch him. Okay. Sam Loomis is Marion's boyfriend in Psycho. Oh, same, same character. that's cool. And then the little boy that Jamie Lee Curtis is babysitting in Halloween is named Tommy Doyle. And that is a character in Rear Window. That's the friend that um, Jimmy Stewart calls the cocky. Oh, the, the cocky like jerk that comes yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. My friend, uh, my friend Debbie's boyfriend is, he's like kind of famous for being the first unmasked Michael Myers. Tony Moran is his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even remember when it is in the movie, but. Wait, so who is he? His name is Tony Moran. So my friend Debbie's, it's my friend Debbie's boyfriend. I mean, I live in LA, so there's, you know. He was, wasn't he in other things, like other acting? Is he still an actor? Yes. And I think at the time he was on the set and he like, you know, he, I guess they thought he was handsome and fit into the outfit or whatever. There were three different actors that played Michael Myers. That's right. Yeah. He's known for playing the unmasked Michael Myers in the right. 1978 one. So that's that's the original. Yes. So she, t- you know, and his mask gets ripped off. You see it briefly. Yes, but yeah, he's in other stuff, and he's from like kind of a Hollywood family because his his sister is Aaron Moran, Joni, Joni uh, Los Chachi. <laughs> Happy days. No shit. Yeah, so he has like a a following of people who are like you know love the original film, and he goes to like cool conventions and stuff like that because it's just fun to have the OG. Face, yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, but you actually see. Oh, John Carpenter did the um the score for the movie, which is that famous. I think I learned that like a couple of years ago. It's that's actually pretty impressive. Yeah, I think they had music all right like before, and then they, he did it wasn't doing it. So then he, he was like, oh, I can do it. He did it like three days, but it was based on a simple drumming exercise that he was taught as a kid by his father on bongos. Oh, cool. That's about it. Did you see the new one? The Mm-mm. I think it's getting no. like mediocre reviews. I don't know. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty gory. I haven't seen that one. I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen all the, I mean, I saw Halloween too, but I, you know, I'm not, I haven't seen every single Halloween at, like movie that's ever been made. There's yeah. And there's so many, I kind of conflate them all. Yeah. No, um, but I watched, I watched the original one, you know, try to watch it every year around this time. Yeah. I should suggest that's Daniel to rewatch this year. It's, I mean, it's classic. You're watching that and you're like, why is she not running or why does yeah, she not, yeah. you know, jump on his skull? All like the he, he's just there. laying there. Like, why don't you move the knife away from him while he's laying there? Yeah. Like, all that ridiculous stuff, but scream queen, like stupidity or whatever. Yeah. It's still great though. That's about it. That's good. Okay. So October 26th, 1965, boy, this is really just a parade of tragedy and sadness and, and gore. So Sylvia Likens is murdered after enduring months of torture. And I thought about going into this one, but it's too depressing to even talk about like the stuff that this poor girl experienced by the hands of a person who was supposed to be caring for her. Yeah. And it's all I can say right now to our listeners is like trigger warning because it's not something that you can read and like forget about. It's very upsetting. You don't really understand like, how does this, how do people do this? But also how does it happen? Like how do people get, it's just crazy that it even went down. And then there was a movie made by the way. There was a Catherine Keener movie and um, well, Elliot Page, but she, you know, that, that came out and I remember American crime and I never seen the trailer about it and then kind of glossing over the story and thinking, Oh, I don't want to watch that. I'm good. I don't need to see that. Right. And then rereading it again. I mean, if you could think of 
anything horrible that could happen to a person, any kind of torture and, and abuse of physical, mental, sexual, this yeah. happened to this poor girl. And Terrible. It was so bad. Just, it's so that's gross. That's a good way to put it. Cause it's without telling everybody like the gory details, like it's, it's literally it's the everything. worst thing that could happen to someone. It's everything that you know, it's horrible. So that's, yeah, this podcast is dep- depressing. This episode. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I did not deep dive into that. No, it's good. October 27th. Oh, this one I, I did go into because I feel like it's the old, old crimes, even though they're horrible, that we're a little more removed from it. Like this is 1919 and it's the Axeman of New Orleans claims his last victim on October 27th, 1919. So I had never really heard about this. So I thought I'd just do like, I started doing research and I thought it was interesting. The Axeman of New Orleans is the nomenclature, you know, the nickname for a serial killer who targeted Italian immigrants and Italian Americans in the greater New Orleans area from May 1918 to October 1919. I mean, he has that name, unfortunately, because that's his, that was his weapon of choice was an axe. And if you ever like read about old crimes and it's like, kind of seems like there's a lot of axe attacks and murders. That's because everybody had a fucking axe. Apparently like back in the day, like axes were around houses a lot and they were an easy thing to grab, I guess. And so he usually used people's own axes to attack them. These were, you know, home invasion murders, like the fucking scariest kind. So similar to like the Night Stalker, he killed, he attacked both men and women, even children. And there was no, seemingly no motive other than mayhem, I guess, psychopathy. There was nothing robbed. Uh, He would get in, in a really bizarre way. He would use a chisel and he would kind of carve a hole not even a very big hole, like a hole in the door of the home and crawl through it. Like a fucking creepy weirdo. <laughs> Jesus. How can I make this more yeah. disturbing? Yeah. <laughs> insane. Okay. Uh, the first two attacks were of a married couple, Italian grocer Joseph Maggio and his wife, Catherine. Uh, their throats were slit. Catherine so badly that she was nearly decapitated. And then their skulls were bashed in by an axe. Is this too like gruesome? Is this okay? Or you want me to like dial it back here? Well, we'll, we'll go talk about Sylvia when you're done this. Recap yeah, right too. after I tell you about how she was almost decapitated. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell me if it's too much. Okay. So the killer had changed his clothes, weirdly, leaving a bloody pile of clothes at the scene. So I feel like this would definitely be solved today because he left, he left his clothes there. I know it's, you know, so much evidence. What was, what was the year of this? It was started in, they started in 1918 and ended in October, 1919. So, um, and the razor blade he'd used to slip their throats was found outside a neighbor's house. So Joseph Maggio, that's the victim. He has a brother that lives in an adjoining apartment. His brother's name is Andrew. Police were initially suspicious of Andrew because for several reasons and for good reasons, in my opinion, uh, Andrew claimed that he'd not hear any, hear the attack at all. But the most incriminating thing was that that razor that was found, the bloody razor that was found outside the home was determined to be Andrew's. He owned a barbershop. What? Yeah. And they went to go interview his employee and the employee was like, yeah, my boss took that razor home two days ago. What? Like right before the attacks. Um, he's claimed that he was taking the razor to be repaired. So he was a prime suspect. Basically, the only thing I think that steered the cops away from Andrew, the brother, was several witnesses claimed that they saw a, a creepy unknown man like lurking near the apartment around the, you know, shortly before the attacks. So I don't know. I still think Andrew. That's what got, that's what cleared him. I guess so. Yeah. Is that weird? I mean, I think still, I still think Andrew's good for it. <laughs> yeah. How do you repair a razor? So apparently it had like a, like a handle kind of thing, or it had like a nick in it that needed to be honed. Is that how, what you do to a blade? You hone it like, like that needed to be like a little more than polished. You know, they like rub it down so that the, the nick is gone and then it doesn't, um, it has a smoother, you know, they have to be really smooth cause they have to shave skin or whatever, you know? I don't know. So, uh, sounds fishy to me. Uh, case closed. Anyway, um, the next, (laughs) (laughs) the next, the next two victims survived blows to the head by a hatchet. It was Lewis Bessemer, a grocer and his, his mistress, Harriet Lowe. They were struck as they slept. That seems to be the pattern. Harriet was paralyzed on one side of her face from the blows. The incident led to a major shit show. So first an African-American was arrested because he was an employee of the Bessemer's grocery and changed his story about his whereabouts the night of the attack. And that's it. That's all they had. That was it. So 
They didn't like how he he delivered his alibi and that he didn't have he didn't have a freaking razor from the crime scene right. at his so basically we're ready to they arrested him, but not this Andrew. I don't know, whatever. Then it shifted because they were investigating into you know, investigating the crime scene and they found all these letters in various languages and they decided, oh my God, our victim, Bessemer, he must be a spy, like for the Germans. What? And because I, I, it's so weird. It sounds like terrible cops. And then his girlfriend, and she's like literally half paralyzed and lying on like a, you know, on a bed in a hospital. She basically, they got, they basically got her to accuse Bessemer of being her attacker. So he was arrested and tried and then acquitted. And the whole thing was a big scandal in all the papers. And it was so bad that several detectives were demoted. It, you know, it was kind of a big shit show. The third attack was on a 20-year-old woman who was eight months pregnant at the time. Oh, God. She survived. So did her baby. Her name was Anna Schneider. She awoke in the night to find a dark figure looming over her. She was struck in the head, probably by a lamp, so no axe this time. She survived, and she gave birth a few days later to a healthy baby girl. And it was her dis- her husband who discovered her because he got home from work late at night, and she's lying bloody on the... Thank God he got there, you know, in time to get her to the hospital. The fourth victim would survive the initial attack but die a few days later from head trauma. His name was Joseph Romano. He was an elderly man living with his two nieces, and he was also attacked in his sleep, also struck by an axe that was also found on the property shortly thereafter. It was like in the yard, in the front yard. His nieces awoke to a commotion, and they were actually able to catch a glimpse of the perpetrator, saying that he was dark-skinned, heavy-set man in a slouchy dark suit and hat. What did, what does Andrew look like? That's yeah, I know, I really. Like, like, seriously, is he, a, is he a swarthy guy who dresses badly? Fat guy who dresses badly? So, and this is, you know, it's dark, whatever, but that's what they, they said they saw. Now the city is in like full panic mode because they're like, it's not this Bessemer, it's not this Andrew who's killing all these people. Um, is it Andrew? Where's Andrew that night? The next, <laughs> at- <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're dead. I'm not going to get sued for libel. Are going to get sued for libel for the surviving uh, Andrew's relatives? Eesh, that would be so hard luck. Uh, the next attack involved three victims. Charles Cortemiglia, his wife, Rosie, and their two-year-old daughter, Mary. And this also wound up being a shit show. All were struck by an ax uh, later found uh, on the back porch. So again, left on the property. The little baby died at the scene. Charles and Rosie survived. Rosie accused their neighbors of committing the attacks, even though it was two, it was a man and his son. The man was too old and disabled and the son was way too big to fit through the hole that was, had been chiseled into the, to the door panel. I forgot about the holes. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the I door hole. This is so weird. Uh, it's like a horror movie, but um, they were convinced they were convicted anyway and sentenced. She came by the neighbors. He, yeah. Based on that, even though, I mean, there's no way they could have done the man was like a decrepit old man. He was, you know, he got, he got, did they, they got charged with all of these attacks and all of them. You know, that's, what's weird. They were charged with only this one. I don't know if it took them a long time to put these all together or what, but like, I mean, hello, there's a pattern here, like hole in the door. Or maybe they were saying, you know, oh, they probably did the other ones too. Who knows? And Andrew still walks free. And Andrew's walking around running his, his barbershop. Andrew lives to cut a doggy hole through another door. Yeah. Yeah. So she came out like a year, a year after they were sentenced, thankfully before they were hanged. She went to the, she went to the press. She went to a paper and she was like, I was bullied in by the cops. They would not leave me alone. I was, I just lost my baby. I was recovering in a hospital and they kept Oh my God. He said they were going to arrest me if I didn't testify against my neighbors. And she already didn't like them, you know, so it was kind of like perfect because the cops were like, they, they hated you. They did it. You know, it was kind of, they were feeding this shit to her. The whole thing was a nightmare. Charles divorced his wife. The, it was just, it was just sad. So anyway, this, these, this poor neighbors, the um, man and his son were acquitted. They were released from jail. They were acquitted. That's crazy. So any other murders after that? Oh yeah. Not a ton, but there's a few. So then it gets weirder. It gets weirder. So at this point in time, the Axeman sends a now infamous letter to the local newspapers for publication. And this was March 13th, 1919. He has the location he wrote down, hottest hell. I'll just read it. It's not that long. Esteemed mortal of New Orleans, the Axeman. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. 
When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom, whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with the blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. Ugh. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. So then it gets so weird. He says, now to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose house, home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. <laughs> if everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night. Jazz it out? Yeah. We'll get the axe. It's crazy. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt pun publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. So oh, actually not about not bad writing. It's just that's so why crazy. Didn't we know this story before we went to New Orleans? Because we could have t-shirts made. I know. The front, the front could have said jazz it out, and the back could have said, or get the axe. Such a weirdo. God, that would have been great t-shirts. Jazz it out or get the axe. Jazz it out, baby. March. So that Tuesday that he's talking about is March 19th. So after this letter is published, the jazz clubs were all packed and there were no killings. So anyway, but there were a couple more, you know, after did that, later in the day. did Andrew like jazz? Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody looked into whether Andrew liked <laughs> jazz? The next attack was on another grocer, Steve Boca, who was struck by an ax as he slept. He was able to stagger to a neighbor's for help and he did make a full recovery. And this was the first post letter attack. 19, then 19 year old Sarah Lohman was struck by an ax several times, but also survived. She was discovered by neighbors who were checking on her because she lived alone. She was found unconscious on her bed with a gash on her head and several teeth missing. She also did not remember anything about the attack. The final attack was on October 27, 1919. Mike Pepitone was struck by an ax as he slept. He did not survive. And the attacks ended just as abruptly as they started and they were never solved. I mean, it's like the craziest serial killer. The fact that there were survivors, like he left the weapon there. He left his bloody clothes there and they still couldn't solve it. I mean, I, you know. Different time, but well, Jesus. There wasn't like forensic evidence back then. Like true. I don't know. I mean, the, I'm surprised there hasn't been a movie about that. I know it's Car it's I'm more fascinated. How did these people sleep through someone carving a hole in their front door? Yeah, that's true. That's a good. That's like, actually a good question. You, it, that that's gonna take some some time. Yeah. That chiseling. Yeah, because he's chiseling at it. It'd be it sound like a little knocking, right? I mean, I, I it's weird. How do you sleep through that? I don't know. So happy Halloween, everyone. So crazy. Do, that's it for the 27th. Do you have anything for the 28th? No, didn't you do the polio vaccine? Uh, October 28th, 1914, Dr. Jonas Salk is born. And he is famous for uh, creating the polio vaccine. And um, interestingly, he it was the press asked if he would pursue a patent for the vaccine. And he said, could you patent the sun? Because he felt that there was no, this is not something you make money off of. This is something that everyone needs and, you know, it needs to be. Um, mm -hmm. not something that's exploited or for greed. So I was going to say that my dad had polio, which by the way, when I was working with you at our job, <laughs> I remember I told, I told Steve Mullen and like a couple of the interns, <laughs> remember all the little interns we had? That they are the, 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 uh, the elbow grease of the console. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the <laughs> cogs in our wheel. I was telling them that my dad had polio and they did not believe me, which I don't know. Should I have been flattered? I was like, you guys, I'm, I think I'm older than you think, or my parents are older. Steve, Steve Mullen didn't believe Yeah. He's either. like, I don't think that's possible. Like mathematically. I was like, what? Like, so my dad was born in 44. Well, like, did the vaccine come out in, like the 50s? Uh, 1955. Um, so my dad was born in 44. He was uh, the first and wound up being the only child of my, my grandma and grandpa. And they, they lived in New Jersey. So they took a vacation when my dad was about two to Martha's Vineyard. 
and they believe that he contracted polio while playing in the surf, you know, with the other kids. So basically polio, I don't know if people know this, it's absolutely disgusting. It's what's called a fecal oral disease. So basically it's just something that's in like feces that's out in the world. And that's why pools and things like that were shut down because it, it just harbored that kind of grossness in it, you know? So, and that's also the other reason they, poor kids didn't get it, didn't get polio at the same rate as middle-class and oh, wealthier yeah, it was, kids. It was more upper-class that got it. That's yeah. Right. So they, that, so anyway, they obviously were, they got the diagnosis and they were beside themselves, of course. My grandpa was like, he's like probably one of my favorite people that ever lived, but he's, this is the kind of thing that he would do. I can't really describe. He's just very like resourceful and he was just awesome. So he happened to be reading the paper and noticed that a clinic was opening up in Jersey City and it was called um, the Sister Kenny Clinic. And Sister Kenny was a famous, she was a nurse. They called nurses sisters in the Australian army. And actually that's kind of an old school way to refer to a nurse because the original nurses were nuns. But she had pioneered this really unique way of combating polio for literally decades she'd been doing it. And she, her theory was that polio struck first in the joints. And she basically just was like, if you can stop it there early, they can recover, patients can recover. So the treatment was really weird. She would take hot, very hot strips of wool and wrap them around the joints of the patient. She kind of was considered a quack. I mean, she because she's completely dismissed out of hand. First and foremost, because she's like flat out to her face, you're not a doctor, back off, you know, because she was a nurse. Because they're used to getting their results in a laboratory, right? She's like, I've seen this work and this is what I'm doing and I'm not going to stop because it's helping people. Her clinics were shut down. I mean, it was just terrible. So obviously she still continues this treatment and she becomes very famous for it. And her clinics start opening up all over the world. And most people are very logical and they're like, I don't fucking care if she's a nurse or a woman. She, like I, my kid is sick and you know what I mean? Like they just, they want her help. The treatment was that several times a day, the patient would have their joints wrapped in extremely hot wool. So almost unbearably hot. So he, your grandfather got him into this clinic. So my grandpa reads this in the newspaper and he's like, oh, well, I'm going to take him there. We're taking him there. They go to this clinic in Jersey City. They check him in. He's a toddler. He's literally a toddler. It's terrible. I mean, they, they don't get to see him for months except through like glass. And my dad says he has these vague memories and of seeing his parents through the glass and his mom was always crying, obviously. I mean, her baby, her little toddler was had a, a disease that killed people or, or crippled, like best case scenario, crippled them, but it, it fucking worked. They did this treatment. So he had this, you know, this wool on his joints treatment and it killed it. What it does is it creates an inhumane, inhospitable environment for the virus as it's growing in the joints and it doesn't spread. So you like, it runs its course in the joints. And then there's a little PT required required. Cause usually when it first strikes the, when it's called, why it's called infantile paralysis, right? Like when you, you, you walk into your bedroom to wake your kid up and their little arms and legs are in lock, like lock mode. That's, that's what the first sign of it is. It does require like PT, but the, his, her patient success rate was like really high. That's amazing. Yeah. So there is a movie and it very, it was, came out in the forties and stars Rosalind Russell is one of my favorite actors. And it's does a good job of showing how, you know, she's treated like shit and dismissed left and right. And then rightfully became famous. So he was there for a couple months. I think like four months. There's a newspaper clipping of him. It's really funny. He's in like, it's like the kid from parenthood. He's in his underwear of a cowboy hat and like a gun, like a gun holster. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. And it has like a, like his little name in the caption and stuff. He, he is the only person I know who had polio and has no side effects. So he has no limp or, you know, my, my aunt had to have both her knees replaced. And, you know, like a lot of people have severe, you know, pretty severe lifelong issues with that. And he, do, he doesn't. So, I mean, wow. he saved his life. I'm here because of her basically. And the name of the, of the movie is called Sister Kenny. And my dad had never seen it. So I just, Daniel and I just showed it to him like six months ago. It was good. It's really good. I recommend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think she's kind of forgotten because like Jonah Salk is kind of the big hero of the story because he he basically, you know, came up cured with the vaccine it. that cured it. Yeah. So that's um, Sister Kenny and my dad having polio. In your face, Steve Mullen. Yeah. He did have polio. I swear. Um, October 29th, 1929 is the stock market crash. I didn't know it was so close to Halloween. Spooky. October 30th, another horror movie, 1974, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, I just watched that like a decade ago. 
I had been, I thought it was going to be the, I don't like gore that much, like really, really like gut score and stuff. And I thought that was going to be so much worse. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. I I've seen it once and it was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Once like, it's not something I want to repeat. No, it's not you know, the creepiest thing about it is like, it's that weird, um, like bumpkin trope of like creepy family that kills for Mm -hmm. funsies kind of thing. And then also the gritty seventies. It's very Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, just that's creepy about it, but it it was, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a slasher film, but it's, it wasn't that bad. October 31st, Harry Houdini dies at 52 of peritonitis a few days after being sucker punched in his abdomen. What a way to go, Houdini. So sad. Well, and he also, it should be noted that he apparently like wouldn't go to the doctor. He was like, yeah, it's fine. I'm fine. Like it it hurt really bad at the time. And then he was like, got up and performed a show and everything. I, then after that, I just made a list of, um, Famous people who have Halloween birthdays and famous people who but died on Halloween. Did you say whatever happened to Baby Jane? Oh, Jean yeah, Jean whatever happened to Baby Baby Jane premiered on October 31st, 1962. I watched that movie as a kid. My mom made us watch random movies when we were little. Like, I watched The Bad Seed. That's a great one. Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Oh, I love that one. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. My mom had us watch Sybil. I don't think I was... Oh, that's dark. That is crazy. Yeah, that's really... That's like Sylvia Likens shit. It totally is. Yeah. Sylvia Likens had made it. She'd end up being civil. Yeah, that's right. Whatever happened to baby Jean was one of the ones. It's pretty great. It's great. But I mean, compared to, I think I saw them both pretty close together. Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, which is another Betty Davis film. And then whatever happened to baby Jean, which, you know, you have Jim Crawford. Yeah. Davis classic with her scary ass eyebrows. Scariest part of the movie. It's so crazy. I love Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. I'll watch that one over. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? I do. I do love that movie. I got into like camp, campy old movies for a while, and that was on there, like that. And I also watched um, Cat People. Have you ever seen that one? Like a horror movie about a woman who's like part cat. I walked with the zombie. Is another real fucking because of you. I read that one from Netflix. (laughs) Walk with the zombie. That's so campy. That's so campy. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that has like all the voodoo stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I totally watched that. That was a Netflix special from uh, our uh, days of working together. You were like, you Sorry. should watch this one. It's ridiculous. Fine. Whatever. It's I, watched, I watched, you know, a lot worse. Oh, my God. Know, yeah. My Netflix. Um, you had the like PTSD afon in your house. Yeah. Whatever happened to Jean's great. It's uh, ridiculous. Her makeup in that. So, it's just so fucked up, but it's great. Yeah, it is great. I mean, yeah, that was one of the ones that my brother and sister and I always referenced growing up. And my, remember my brother, my sister rescued a cat out of the gutter, like when she worked, lived in North Jersey. And we named the baby the cat Blanche ah. after that movie. Yeah. Cute. That's a good one. Do you want to hear some famous Halloween birthdays? Yeah. Uh, John Candy, 1950. Uh, Do you know that I knew him when I was a little kid? What? No. John Candy's family, his kids went to, we went to the same schools and his daughter was a year below me. You have like, you have a lot of random famous people well, that you went to school with. Yeah, I grew up in Los Angeles, so. But yeah, but you never told me the John Candy connection. Ever. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Catholic thing, because I went to Catholic school, like parochial school. So maybe it's kind of rare to send, if you're like a famous celebrity to send your kid to Catholic school. But they, they were, their kids all went to um, not only my grade school, but also the daughter went to my high school. Cannot say enough good things about them. They are awesome people. They're just the nicest people. I mean, I haven't met them in decades. I'm sure they're still great. But when I was a kid, they were, and, uh, you know, into my teen years, the kids are so nice and normal. And Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy were so nice and like active, normal, nice parents. It was such, such a huge loss when he died. I couldn't, I remember I couldn't believe well, how, it. Yeah. He was, how old was he when he died? He was like so young, right? 40 something. I couldn't, yeah, I, right? I thought, you know, when you're a kid and someone dies, you think that they're like an old person. Like, no, he was like a kid. Cause he was like my, you know, my parents' age. So my parents are old. You know, that's like the way it works when you're a little kid. He was 43. He died in 1994. I mean, that's so young. Yeah. So you were in high school, right? Yeah. I was in high school when he passed. I was a freshman in high school when he passed. Wow. She, the daughter was a year below me so that she would have been still in grade school and we went to the same grade school. And then I worked in, I, I knew them a lot. I went, I w- worked in summer camp with this, with his son and they're like a wonderful, wonderful family. just totally robbed. I fucking loved, first of all, Uncle Buck, my all time favorite John Candy yeah. movie. What's your favorite one? Uh, probably Uncle Buck, but my ki- my kids uh, discovered Splash, which oh, probably is. 
That's like a forgotten movie. Don't you feel like that's kind of forgotten? They, lo- which is, there's probably some inappropriate parts in that, but it goes over their heads. Like yeah. they don't really get that whole part. But I mean, Eileen's three and she runs around screaming bocce balls all the time. From, <laughs> from just, the- don't, just don't let her drop <laughs> quarters and look under people's skirts. Remember? Well, at one point there was a period of time where Marin and Eileen were saying that they wanted to be Freddie and Alan for Halloween. So they wanted <laughs> to be Tom Hanks and John Candy's character. Yeah. And Al- Ma- Eileen wanted to be uh, Freddie. Oh yeah. I mean, He's so funny in that movie. I yeah. love that freaking Like the movie. loser brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I still, you know, I made them watch um, The Great Outdoors because of that. Oh, and, I love that movie. They've seen Uncle Buck. And the, oh. every Thanksgiving we watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, that, that movie makes me so sad. I mean, I- uh, It's so it's fucking great. funny. It is. <laughs> Those but it always just, I, <laughs> That movie just really makes me like- It is sad. It's really sad. Although a happy ending. It's not it everybody does. learns something, but- it does, but yeah, that one makes me sad. That's actually a good example of John Candy's uh, ability to like tug at your heart with a n- dramatic, you know, that he has a soliloquy in that that's really makes you want to bawl your eyes out. So sad. Uh huh. Yep. So he was born on Halloween in 1950. Peter Jackson was born on Halloween in 1961. He's the Lord of the Rings director. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Dermot Mulroney, 1963. Mm. Rob Schneider, 1963. Uh, Adam Horowitz, also known as Ad Rock, was born in 1966 on Halloween. <laughs> and and uh, here's the finale. Robert Van Winkle, also known as Vanilla Ice, was born, in 19- <laughs> <laughs> was born in 1967 on Halloween. And then I have some famous deaths. Not that many. I, th- I would have thought more, but... So Harry Houdini died on Halloween in uh, 1926. Federico Fellini died in 1993 on Halloween. River Phoenix. I forgot it was Halloween, 1993. Yeah, I forgot that. Talk about a loss. Yeah, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. So young and so talented, just totally fucked up. The Viper Room is where he he overdosed. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's still open, but it was open for years. One of the longer running clubs in Hollywood. I remember at a black awning, said the Viper Room. Every time you drove by it, that's what you thought. Like, that's where River Phoenix died. Uh, Very sad. Sean Connery died in 2020 on Halloween. I don't remember that. Oh, we were a little distracted though. <laughs> Pandemic going on. <laughs> yeah, we had other things to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's been dead a lot longer, but. Well, he has, but I mean, he was actually buried and everything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't, oh my God, I'm going to burn <laughs> in hell. I'm going to burn in hell. See you there. Oof. So wait, is, uh, he's, he's probably one of those people who are like, this is terrible, but you know, like every year at the Oscars, you see the people that died over the year and you're like, Oh, I thought they were dead. For like right. Yeah. Or, that's it's those old, old guys that, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That happens. Oh, well, you don't hear about them for a while. And then well, they were dead. Yeah. Wah, wah. Okay. Um, that's all I got. Did you have anything else? Do you have a favorite Halloween costume from when you were a kid? Favorite Halloween. Oh yeah, I do. So my mom was a very crafty, but she, she did pretty good when I was, I don't know. What year did Annie come out? 82. Okay. Yeah. So my sister and I might've been like four and five and we both wanted to be Annie. My mom's like, I'm not having two freaking Annie's. Oh my God. Now. This is so weird that you said this. Did you see the post that I posted from our Instagram account? No. About Annie? Yeah. Wait a second. Old school podcast is our Instagram handle. Right. I'm looking it up. Hold on. Any of our listeners go ahead and follow that account. Wait, you just did this is from today. This is or, weird. I didn't see it yet. Do you see what it, what's in the picture? That's Annie. Yeah. That's weird. So uh, everyone, to our listeners, we have an Instagram account. Old school podcast is the name, is the handle. And I posted a vintage picture from early 80s of some kids trick-or-treaters. My friend Karen, you saw, I hope my birthday is October 4th. So we used to, I used to always have Halloween birthday parties. Yeah. Fucking Karen always came with one of these ghetto ass costumes where that picture of the person you are is actually on your outfit. The cheapest shit ever. So I was five or six when Annie came out. It was like all the rage. My mom said she had, she said it was Annieitis. My sister and I were obsessed. So we both wanted to be Annie. And my mom's like, but we didn't want to be the same thing. So right. my mom was pretty clever. So I was poor Annie and my sister was rich Annie. So I had, oh, that little, is so clever. I had the little cardigan and the work boots. And the little jumper and my sister had the red dress with the little white. Oh my God. Your mom's a fucking genius. Yeah. So I think that's my favorite one because we look so freaking cute. And I loved being, I loved, I just, well, I mean, I still like my cardigans, but I love that costume. That is so, do you have a picture of that? You got to have a picture of that, right? Mm -hmm. Can you do that shit up? Sure. But yeah, it was a good one. We didn't, my mom didn't sew or anything like that. A lot of my friend's parents sewed. 
My mom didn't sew, but she managed to like, I don't know, went to piece it together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the the holy cardigan. She had that little brown holy cardigan and then boots and yeah. So it was yours. Well, I was a hobo for like three years straight from in like middle <laughs> school. <laughs> so I have a really easy costume. I um I have like ambivalence about wearing costumes. It's not that I don't enjoy it, but I don't like when it's I prefer to have a costume that doesn't involve like makeup, like face makeup and mask and stuff. Cause I don't know, I just don't like it. So I think that's why I did the hobo, because you just put some fake dirt on there and we had several politically incorrect ones. Um, I had like Chinese pajamas. I think when you grew, were like born in the 70s or 80s, that kind of... It was normal back then. I mean, yeah, I was a lobster one year and that was a hand-me-down costume. That was like uh, someone was in it in like a recital or something. So I wore it, but the tail was filled with... It was like a sparkly red tail and it was filled with newspaper and it rained that year and it like... Oh, ass my- that sounds terrible. <laughs> the, the tail felt like got all heavy and pulled my ass, the ass of my costume down, like saggy, saggy bottom. I remember I was, I was in grade school, I guess probably like fourth grade. And, you know, I always had long hair and my mom had gotten some, just the bottom part of a lion costume. So it had, was brown. It was my, your whole body was in it. It kind of was open in the back and it had the tail. Yeah. So she just teased my hair all the way out. She is like a genius. Your mom's a genius. Oh, and this one, she still brings us up. When I was in kindergarten, I was Dorothy. And it was a great costume. I had the braids, everything. Cute. She gave me the basket and I had Toto inside the basket. And then she had this like blow up rainbow that was like a decoration or something. And she pinned it. She pinned it to the basket. And I fucking hated that. I was like, why would you put a It doesn't belong there. Yeah, yeah. And she was just like, well, somewhere with a rainbow. Like this is, and we were fighting about it. I remember this. And she won because she probably just beat me until I just said, <laughs> <laughs> I go to the school parade and it was so weird because I show up and it's me. And then there happened to be a tin man, a scarecrow. Oh, oh my God. I didn't, I don't know if there was a lion in my class. So these, That's boys weird. these other things. Yeah. So we did the parade. I got first prize. And I remember oh. my mom like in the playground with her cigarette, like it's the rainbow. Oh yeah. It's the rainbow yelling at me. She might be right. Actually. I was standing there like with this puss on my face, like, cause yeah, I still hate pouting that rainbow on the basket. But you know what? Like, like I see your argument as to not liking it. Cause like, it's a rainbow. Why is it stuck to the basket? Like she didn't walk around the Emerald city with like a rainbow. Yeah, and I was five. I couldn't like compute it. I was like, no, no. I couldn't see the big picture. Yeah. Of what my but mom your mom's like, for. anyone could be a Dorothy. Like the Dorothy costume is not something that allows for a lot of variation. We're putting a fucking rainbow on there. Cause I found it and it fits perfectly. And she's right. She's right. My she mom. Was, this is this. Should, I should tell my mom to listen to this episode specifically because then was I in high school? I might've been seven. When did gorillas in the mist come out? Oh God. Speaking of depressing, uh, that was like 80, 88 or 89. Let's see if I was right. So I was in grade school. 1988. I was in grade school. I was, I went as that chick. What was her name? Di- uh, oh, Diane Fossey. Was Wait, that, yeah. is that right? No. Was that the other one? There were a couple different. Yeah, it was Diane Fossey. So my mom was like, you can be her. So she put the whole braid on the side. It was like Sigourney Weaver was in that movie. Yeah. I had the flannel. My mom gave me a cigarette. I was let to take oh my a cigarette God, that's to school. Awesome. <laughs> I had a fucking monkey hanging out of my pocket. And I went to school as that. And that was my mom too. That's my mom was like, so look cool. through her purse. And she's like, here, just take the cigarette. You can that walk is so with funny. That. Yeah. My mom came up with some good ones. Yeah. Damn. Uh, we kind of phoned it in our house. We just dug through a big like box in the garage and put shit together. That's why I was a hobo for three years. If you ask my mom, she says she hates that was the worst ho- holiday. She hated that pressure. She hated Halloween. Like she hated really? with the outfits, but they always had like killer ones. I remember my brother being like five and he was Popeye and my sis, my dad cut out like two liters bottles of soda. He like cut the tops off and split them in half. And then he put them on my brother on either side of his arm and then put pantyhose on top of it. Oh my God. They were like the muscles and he had like the anchor drawn on it. Your parents are incredible. That is so clever. And this was like there was no internet. internet. Yeah, they didn't Google steal these ideas. This is my dad. Oh my god, that's amazing. My dad made a giant guitar for my brother. Was Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks one year, and he made this giant guitar that my brother like stood in. Oh, to make it look like like he's a little. It was a wood giant wooden guitar. My brother was like in there with his long. That is so cute. My parents had some good ones. Wow, that's that's awesome. So I'm you impressed. can you can understand why I judged Karen when she would come to my birthday parties with the she had the phone and mask. Be a witch then or something. Yeah. Do you get a lot of trick or treat? Do you know yet if you're going to get a lot of trick or treaters in your house? There's tons of kids in this block, and everyone says this street is like crazy. Awesome. 
So we'll end up back here at some point. We're probably going to go meet up with my sister and her town. So does who answers the door? This is what I don't understand about like modern families today. Like everybody takes their kids trick-or-treating, but then who's home to answer the door? Nobody. When that happens. Do you leave a bowl of candy out or something? I mean, I, then you always have those punks that will just take the whole bowl. Like, yeah, that's true. Although, you know, back in the day when I was a kid, if you didn't answer the door, we totally TP'd the shit out of your house. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... Did you have... Participate in the community or your house gets Did trapped. you guys have, did you guys do mischief night? No, that no, I think that was Is like that just East Coast. Us? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we were just talking about that. I bumped into, uh, I was picking up Marin at her friend's house and, uh, one of the dads was there and he was saying, no, that's like local. That wasn't done everywhere. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. I've heard of it, but, and that's almost like what Halloween used to be on Halloween before they invented trick or treating. Yeah. Like we used, we did the TP and then yeah. Camden, New Jersey would be set on fire. <laughs> yeah, really. Just and like baseline. There was neighborhoods around and like ritzy neighborhoods. I remember that were, I mean, they shut them down. Like they were like bananas on Halloween. My personal favorite was silly string. If I silly stringed your car or your house, you either didn't answer the door or I already hated you. Cause there were a couple of like <laughs> assholes in the neighborhood. I could not wait to get to their house. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my neighborhood is absolutely bananas on Halloween. Our neighborhood is like 1970s. That's great. Lying down the drive. We have probably 350 trick-or-treaters. I mean, last year during the pandemic, we probably had 50. Do you just sit out front? It's funny you say that. We That's what we're doing this year because- Yeah, because like, you can't keep getting up. <laughs> you can't just keep getting up like every time the door You can't rings. watch anything. It's like ding, ding, like every time- every No, put your, cost, put your Twilight Zone costumes on and sit out front. I know. We're going to a Halloween party on Saturday night. Oh, you are? Rain. I was going to ask you if you were going, are you and Lee syncing up your, your costumes again? We're not. It's going to be me and Jake. We, Lee and I do try to sync up our stuff. It's, we're going to be uh, Barbara and Adam from Beetlejuice when they, um, Oh, I love that. When they morph their faces, we got How masks. How are you going to do that? Oh, you found masks? We found masks. Awesome. We were going easy. So. The hardest part of that is walking around all fucking night with a rubber mask on your face. I don't know how I'm going to do that. It's terrible. <laughs> but uh, finding a dress that looks like Barbara's that I can, I can live with. Oh, yeah. That's fun. It's nice to have something to do since last year was a wash. Yeah. We, um, yeah, we will sit outside. Last year we sat outside because it was COVID and we knew, and then I set up that shoot. Remember I set up like a. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people have those. They did that around yeah. here too with the shoot. We won't do that. I don't think we're going to do that. It's just going to be a regular year. But anyway, yeah, so it's bananas here. Like bananas. It looks like when you look outside, like at the street, it looks like a block party. It's insane. And I love it. I'm not complaining at all. And our neighbors like decorate in amazingly. They make us look like shit. But um, Daniel got a projector this year and we're going to have, um, I think he wants to project Hocus Pocus. Good. And I was like, because that mean because I usually I have like a, a Halloween soundtrack that I play. And I was like, so should we nix the soundtrack then? And you just have Hocus Pocus playing? No, he wants both. So oh, it's going to be okay. a cacophony of someone's going to have a seizure, but it's going to be like a cacophony of noises in our driveway. But Oh, that sounds like fun. So do you, do you have anything for the rec room? Because I took your recommendation from last episode. Did, did you watch Midnight Mass? Midnight Mass is a masterpiece. You loved it. I, it's so good, Lauren. I got I got a little nervous when you had the comment about the age makeup, which I did have a hard time getting through it. But then right. I was like, they must. And I said to Jake, I was like, they must be aging backwards. That's the only reason they would do this. Well, I kept thinking, if this isn't part of the plot, then this guy is a fucking weirdo for holding on, to, <laughs> insisting on holding on to this cast. I mean, and he's like too smart for that. Like, I just knew that it wasn't. It couldn't be that. So I just wasn't stuck it, it out. Wonderful. Oh my god, it was so good. It was so good. I just love that. Like uh, we won't spoil it or anything because not everyone's seen it, but, or I guess we could just say spoilers and people could skip, but I just love that's like a, uh, of course, like what a great way to interpret that kind of story to yeah. take the cat, the Catholic tradition and uh, so good. I know. And I, I, I made my, told my family to watch it. And my mom was like, there's just too much talking. And I was like, I know what she means. I was like, yeah, there were a lot of like monologues and you know conversation deep conversation so much i thought that was some of the best parts yeah it's cool like that whole conversation with the um girl and guy about death their versions of death yes and how that played out at the end like man i just i just loved it i loved it it was excellent oh i'm glad you liked it and i like that he kind of like doesn't care what people like because you know a lot of people didn't like his second one that was the Bly Manor one right yeah I, uh, yeah that was me but like to me to... I was like uh, okay it's not not the best ghost story ever but I thought it was a beautiful love story oh yeah and it, oh oh totally uh, and so it was romantic and yes and it was beautifully shot but I think when you're coming off of Hill House 
which was so terrifying. I mean, that had a yes. great story too, but there were some scary fucked up parts in that movie where you were. And so I was waiting for those like jump out kind of scares. And yes. And it wasn't there. No. And this one had some. Had a little of everything, I think. Yeah. Before it was done, before the series, before Midnight Mass was done, I was like, this is his best ever. It was I mean, so good. Uh, yeah. Everything about it was oh, just the acting and. Yeah. I don't know. I just loved it. I loved it. And yeah. Okay. So I know we don't want to spoil it, but spoiler alert. They, you think they could have set that up for like a second season of that? Because like you didn't, did that thing get away? Yeah. We are not sure. Right. It's like, yeah, you don't see it. Like what happened with that? I mean, oh my God, that whole scene with her when he's like on her and then she's got the knife. Oh my God. Like, oh, so, so great. Like, Cause you know, up until then, I think Daniel wanted like fucking get mad and fight. Don't sit around the kitchen table and talk about how it could be a virus. Fucking arm yourselves and go tear that shit up. Like that, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then that happens. And it's like this weird, quiet, sad. And she's like pulling his head back in like, oh. And he's just... so fucking grossly distracted by guys. Fast oh, forward. But, uh, and it's so, oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah it's uh, great. So did I watch, what did, oh, we finished um, Only Murders in the Building, which was great. We, so I will tell you, we are on episode. Oh, you did start it? Yeah, we are on episode four and it was, or five. What, we are, the first two or three, we were like, what the, why is everybody so psyched about the show? Like we, I, we thought it was like kind of boring, not that funny. Mm-hmm. We wanted more of the mystery. We were like, what's happening here? And now, now we really like it. Now that it's uh-huh. picked up and it's like their comedy is like sinking better. Yeah. I don't know. It's just getting better and better. So the finale was great. The okay. Finale good. was great. Yeah. The, that, that episode was, um, it had everything. It wraps oh, everything. Steve Martin is just, well, they're also funny, but I think Steve Martin was like physically so funny in the finale. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see, um, how you like that. Okay. I love, yeah. I love Martin Short's boom mic that he keeps <laughs> It's like this gigantic mic. And it's like, where did you have that? It's such an old gag, man. but it's so great. I don't care. I know, but he's, I, I love Martin Short. I'd watch him. He's so know, great. Do anything. He seems like such a lovely person too. Yeah. So we are enjoying that. And then we, we just started, did you know that there was, where the fuck have I been? Did you know that they, they made a creep show series? No. On, on what? On Shudder. That's why no one's fucking heard of it. Because it's that like horror only streaming service. You watched, you've seen Creepshow, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. I watched that when I was a kid, way too young, way too young. Should not have watched Creepshow. We watched Creepshow 2 though, more than Creepshow 1. We loved Creepshow 2 also, but I think 1 is my, the one that I remember more sharply. We watched it over and over again. This one, we watched one, the first episode last night. It came out in 2019. I guess also the pandemic made it kind of because there's like three seasons or four seasons, but what? Yeah, I know. It was actually pretty good. They're doing it kind of like like other anthology series where there's like pretty well known actors starring in the episodes. So it came out. Yes, yeah, season three came out in September. So there's already three seasons. Isn't that weird? Huh. Yeah, I didn't even know it existed. I have a whole list of ones I want to try to get done. I mean, if I can stay up, like I wanted, I still want to watch um, Poltergeist. I watch that one every year. Oh yeah. I showed that to Daniel. He had never seen it and he didn't like it. I mean, he just thought it wasn't that scary. Oh man, that movie. I think because that movie like fucked me up as a kid. Like yes. I slept with my sister for three years after I saw that movie. Like my mom literally got rid of our twin beds and got a double bed in our room and we just slept in the same bed because I watched Poltergeist and was so Well, and all that shit happens while they're sleeping in their bedrooms. It's so scary. And also it's also kind of like as watching it as an adult, I realized that it's also about like the loss of a child. Like she's missing and they're trying to get her back. Like that whole scene where she travels her soul, like moves through the mom and she's like, I, I know. And smell she can her. smell her. Oh I know. Gosh, I love cry. It's so sweet. I love that movie. Yeah. And then I want to watch misery. I have that. Oh, I love that great. one. Oh, yeah. Such a good movie. So I, I don't know. You're classic like villains. And then I like to watch psycho. Yeah. There, I want to try to get a, a few in for the rest of the week. Have you seen the changeling? Yes, that movie is so fucking weird and scary. I we love watched it. that. We watched that as kids, and then I, I made Jake rewatch it when we were dating. But that movie is so twisted. I've ever seen that as a kid, and like that red ball coming down the fucking stairs. Yeah, I just love the fucking seance, and I love that it's also like a um, whodunit kind of like a murder mystery. It's cool. You know what else is another crazy movie that I I made Jake watch, and I think it was a who is that writer Daphne um, Du Maurier. Yes. Yeah. Duh, don't look now. Oh, yes. I made Daniel watch that. I thought it was boring. But yes, I love that one. That's it with is, Audrey Hepburn. It, Audrey Hepburn, right? No, no, no. Oh, not that. Oh, don't look now. I'm conflating Donna, it. With, Donald yes, Sutherland. Yes, the Donald Sutherland with that raunchy ass sex scene. With, oh, yeah, yes. With Julie Christie. With they're in Venice with that little 
troll thing going around. That one's great. Yeah. What movie are you talking about with Audrey Hepburn? Oh, that's the one where she's um, blind. Oh, I love that. Um, uh, uh, Wait until dark. Yes. That movie's great. I thought it was great. Daniel didn't like it. What? I, think he just I thought it wasn't that. scary. That was kind of boring. That was another. That was another one my mom made uh, us watch as a kid. Like, because I remember, see, remember when she's blind and she's looking through her, her the closet and the dead bodies hanging in there. <gasps> and that was that's like basically a jump scare. Yeah, and that scared the shit out of me when I was like probably eight when I saw it first time. And she's so cute in that with her little like seventies outfit. Yeah, yeah, she's adorable. Cute little haircut. Yeah, yeah. But didn't you think he was a creep at the end where she's like stuck behind the refrigerator? Yeah, you want to help her. Yeah, and he's like making her walk to him. And even, even the little shit neighbor wants to help you her. fucking prick. Yeah, he holds her back. And she gives him the stink eye too. And I was but like, yeah, you do that, <laughs> Gloria. What's her name, Gloria? Gloria. <laughs> <laughs> you tell him, Gloria. <laughs> With your nerdy ass glasses and your stringy hair. Oh, oh, Gloria was great. She broke all the lights in the hallway for her. She started off as a little shithead, but then she she came through. She was on mm-hmm. she was on team mm-hmm. Get the Bad Guys. And then, uh, yeah, that's all I had. I mean, for the rec room, I don't don't really think I have anything else. Still chipping away at my book. Yeah, I have nothing because I'm trying to just now watch horror movies until Halloween's over. Yeah, us too. Well, um, so I tell our listeners to rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, uh, Old School Podcast. I I think we post funny stuff, so it's kind of fun. Old School Retro Stuff. I'll go ask my mom to pull out the Annie, the Annie costume. Those sound amazing. Okay. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye.